Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Are sales objections stopping you in your tracks? Do you struggle with knowing your client's biggest concerns with your offering or coming up with powerful responses? This episode is brought to you by our latest ebook, Handling Objections, The Art of Powerful Responses. In it, you'll find the five most common categories of objections, handy worksheets to guide you along the way to developing best practice responses, and more. Go ahead and grab your copy today. You can find the link in today's show notes at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 181. Throughout the month of August, we've been writing and talking about handling objections. For more best practices, information, and advice, be sure to check out our blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. This episode of Let's Talk Sales is a continuation of our training series where we share content from our curriculum. If you're able to do so, make sure to take some notes. We'll be sharing a lot of best practices and advice you'll want to implement. This is Laura Marchoff, Marketing and Sales Coordinator, and with me is our Marketing and Innovation Manager, Ariana Miskell. Hello. Today, we'll share how you can leverage powerful responses when faced with an objection, and we'll also introduce the five most common categories of objections, how to identify your biggest objections, and how to respond without sounding pushy. So let's jump in. First, let's talk about why objections are opportunities. I know that this can sound kind of backwards, but an objection reveals a pain point. And if you've been following our podcast and blog, you know that uncovering a prospect's pain point is a major win for any sales leader. Yeah, so just to continue off of what Laura said, um, objections are pain points hidden behind a lot of noise. So you'll really have to put your sales cap on to see past this. All it takes is a little bit of confidence and some gumption to work through the objection and prove yourself as the ultimate solution provider. And similarly, objections enable buying. Remember what we just talked about. Objections are pain points in disguise. Going even further, objections are questions in statement form. Think about the basics of sales. If a prospect is asking questions on a sales call, it means they're engaged. And besides just being an opportunity for the specific sales call you're on, objections are also a great way to improve your solution or selling process in general. If your sales reps keep running into the same objections over and over, and one, don't have a solution, or two, have major difficulty overcoming it, it's time to review how your product matches up to your competitors, whether you're targeting the right market, or whether you should look into a completely different pricing model. Yeah, it also gives you the opportunity to train your sales reps on how to adequately overcome objections. And we're gonna be spending a lot of time on this throughout the rest of the episode. So make sure you stay tuned. Uh, But now let's talk about the five common types of objections and the underlying beliefs. So think about what we just talked about in the last section. Uh, objections are an opportunity and your solution is valuable. This is very important to get in this mindset as we go through the rest of the episode. So let's get into it. We're going to go through each common objection and how to overcome it one at a time. So the first one we're going to talk about is value and ROI. This is a classic example of a sales objection. 
usually this sounds something like, oh, that sounds expensive, or I don't think we were looking to spend that much on this, this initiative. Sometimes a company really doesn't have the budget to spend, and other times the prospects looking for discounts are trying to get a deal, which, hey, we all do, right? <laughs> so in this case of an objection, you're going to want to ask questions to figure out a few things. The first question is, what are the biggest problems your prospect is facing related to your offering? How these problems lose money for their company and how the person you're talking to is personally affected. When your prospect is emotionally connected to their problems and pain points, your solution can be positioned as an investment versus a cost. Absolutely. The next objection is urgency. You'll probably hear things like, oh, this isn't a priority right now, or let's talk about this next quarter. This objection can be pretty frustrating. Typically, it arises because the person you're talking to has a lot on their plate right now, or they're trying to let you down lightly. In order to get past this objection, we recommend asking the following questions to figure out if this deal will play out. First, is there a specific reason you'd want to push this conversation back? Is there a time you are planning to address this issue? What might happen if you don't resolve this issue quickly? Continue to ask questions about pain points associated with your solution. This shows that it should be a priority. Ultimately, it's your job to show the prospect that your solution is a priority. Sometimes people don't know what they don't know. Bring some common problems to light and show that you can actually fix them. But remember, timing is up to the prospect. If they really can't implement your solution right now, pushing will just make you look pushy. You need to understand their timeline and why it's set the way it is. Yeah, sometimes companies have really heavy sales cycles for a couple months out of the year that set them up um, to, for profitability for the remainder. So we really have to be conscious in sales to make sure that we're approaching them at the right time. Yes, and that doesn't mean that it's a no-go and you'll, you won't be able to you know, create a deal down the road. It just means that you have to kind of respect their time. Definitely. So the third objection is credibility. Credibility can be a huge problem for smaller companies and even larger companies that are competing with giant household name brands. In this case, you're going to have to prove yourself. It's a great idea to go into your success story section of the playbook to show that you've succeeded in solving similar problems with similar clients. Success stories, references, and testimonials are the most powerful ways to demonstrate credibility to skeptical prospects. There's also something to be said about being a boutique company. It actually reminds me of an episode of The Office. By now, everyone probably knows that we love The Office here at Criteria for Success. Um, but there's two characters, Jim and Dwight, at a paper company, and they're trying to win over a client that is currently working with a huge provider like Staples or Office Depot. So to prove that their smaller, unknown company, Thunder Mifflin, is sometimes better, they actually called the customer service line for the big company at the beginning of the meeting. And after giving a short pitch and getting to know the prospect they were talking to, they brought up the fact that they're still on hold with that big paper provider that the prospect was currently working with. Then they called their own company where their customer service rep answered immediately, was super friendly and nice. And that was enough for the client 
Uh, they closed the deal, and obviously TV isn't always reality, but the credibility objection is something that can be worked around. So don't get hung up on it. Doesn't matter if you're going up against Google or whoever else. Um, there's definitely something to be said about giving the a small company being able to give attention to prospects. Yes, and actually, a couple months ago, our theme was all about storytelling and business. Um, we have a great ebook on that that I will add to the show notes of this episode. But storytelling really wins, and if you're able to give that prospect a story that they can relate to that adds to your credibility. It's very powerful. And we also have um, a training episode of Let's Talk Sales on Storytelling that we will add to the show notes for you guys. Yep. Okay, and now the fourth objection is authority. This will sound like, oh, it's not up to me, or I'm not the decision maker. And when this objection arises, you'll have to ask some questions to figure out who the decision maker is and what their decision process looks like. Figure out how the person you've been talking to fits into the decision process, if they do at all. Regardless of their role in, the, in making an actual decision, we recommend continuing to build a relationship with that person you're talking to. If they see the value in your solution or product, they can be a champion for you within their own company. This means that they will surely bring you in front of that decision maker and help you sell to them. Sounds pretty great, right? Keep this in mind when you call someone who can't sign the proposal. They're still valuable to you. Yep. And you never know when one day they'll get promoted to being the decision maker. So think about that. So the next and final objection we're going to talk about right now is pain. This objection sounds like, I don't think we really need it, or this doesn't sound like something my team would use. Remember what we said earlier. A lot of times people don't know what they don't know. Again, Go into your playbook and use the problem opportunity matrix and your list of common problems that you solve. Start a conversation about these problems. You will likely find that the company does have a need for your solution. The person you're just talking to isn't aware of it. Present the common problems and the features and benefits of your solution that solve them. Something else to consider if the person you're talking to doesn't feel pain Maybe check if you're talking to the right person. Maybe they're not in a position to know they have the problem and you should be talking to the person who is really struggling with the problems that you solve. This often happens if you target too high or too low within a company. No business is perfect, so help your client understand the value of your solution. So after going through these categories of objections, you've probably thought about some common ones that your sales reps hear in your own company. It's a good idea to meet with your sales team and compile the specific common objections that they hear and brainstorm responses. We'll also uh, be sure to add the problem opportunity matrix um, template into the show notes as well for you guys so you can start drafting your common objections. And to really promote the storytelling training episode just because I personally enjoy doing that one a lot. We talk about building out a problem opportunity matrix in that episode as well. So we gave you the outline to of how to respond in general to each of the major categories of objections, but now I want to spend some time sharing best practices for powerful responses. 
First of all, it's important to understand that you can't really handle an objection for your prospect. They need to handle the objection for themselves. How many times have you been in a situation where someone had an objection, the facts were in your favor, and yet they still didn't change their mind? It's not up to you, it's up to them. Your role is to help them discover the solution to their objection. The best way to do this is to ask open-ended questions. Rather than getting into a debate with someone, you can lead them to the right answer. And we'll give you some uh, examples here. Let's say someone says your price seems high. Your first response might be, can I ask compared to what? Did they get a proposal from a competitor with a very similar offering for the same price, or do they just not understand what a solution like yours costs? You might then ask, how have you developed the budget for handling this problem? Or how do you develop budgets? Notice, I'm not telling you to say, actually, we're comparable to our competitors. If you try to just share data and facts like that, it can move you into a kind of debate mode. And if you're debating your prospect, no one wins. (laughs) Yeah, definitely don't want to get into debate mode. But another best practice is to understand why someone asked the question or raised the objection in the first place. So let's say a prospect says they're concerned you might not be able to handle their issue. You could get a bit defensive and say, actually, we're confident we can. In fact, we've done it before, and then jump into success stories. A better approach would be to ask, can I ask what you mean by that? Maybe they're concerned about your overall size, or maybe their concern is more about your experience in their industry. Or maybe they just want you to prove yourself, but those different concerns would drive very different responses. Work to improve clarity and get to the real concern. So notice in both of the examples we gave, we started the first question after the initial objection with, can I ask? This is a technique called permission marketing, and it's really helpful when you're responding to objections. It's slightly softer way of asking the question and there's an assumed yes. It also gives you a bit of extra time to think. Another important practice is to show empathy and that you respect someone's concern. You can do this a few ways, but one of the easiest is to repeat back what someone said in your own words. Something like, it sounds like you're concerned the implementation would be too much work for your team. Is that correct? This can start a conversation about your implementation process and how it may be less work than your prospect expects. And I'm sure that all of you noticed by now that you're sort of gently guiding the prospect down to kind of coming up with their own conclusions and then hopefully aligning that with your offering or your potential solution. Definitely. So... Now we're going to talk about how we can work the objection handling process into our sales playbooks. So we've kind of touched on this already throughout the podcast, but now we're going to really push the importance of documenting things so that your team can use it in the future. So we gave you five categories of objections, the general best practices for responding to each, and the philosophies to keep in mind when you respond. So the next step is up to you. Work with your team to develop a list of the most common objections you hear in the way that prospects tend to raise them. They might be questions or statements. You should easily be able to come up with a list of 10 to 15. 
For each objection, identify what category it most falls into. Is it more about value and ROI, or is it an urgency and priority issue? Then have your team identify a few ways to respond to each of those objections. Keep best practices we just shared in mind. Use objections, get clarity, and provide empathy. It's a best practice to have a few different responses for each of your common objections. One person on your team might be comfortable being a little bit more casual and even snarky or humorous, while someone else might be a bit more formal. And of course, each prospect is different and might need a slightly different response. This is one of the most important tools to build in your sales playbook. So once you have your list of common objections and responses, don't just let it sit. It's important to regularly review it, role practice with the team, and make sure it's up to date. Over time, both the common objections and the best practice responses will change, just like your business changes and just like your solution changes. Absolutely. And I believe we also have another resource uh, that you wrote, Ariana, on how to make sure that your playbook is constantly moving. Actually, I think that was Elizabeth, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope that all of you got a ton of insight into handling objections and how improving your strategy can actually enable buying. Um, Just regarding that ebook, I'll be sure to add that in the show notes for all of you as well. But thank you so much for listening to Let's Talk Sales. You can find the notes for today's show uh, and and all resources we mentioned at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 181. Tune next week for a conversation with Jeffrey Lipsius, founder of Selling to the Point. In the meantime, stay tuned for this Friday's inspiration where our intern, Michaela, We'll be sharing a great quote from Benjamin Franklin. And to our dedicated listeners who made it all the way to the end of the episode, we want to learn more about you and how we can improve this podcast to add more value to you. So please take our listener survey, which you can find at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod survey. The survey will take just a few minutes, and if you can complete the survey, you can enter into a drawing to win an Amazon gift card. If you're enjoying the show, please recommend us to a friend and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a rating or review. This helps more people find the show and lets us know what's working and where to improve. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter at let's underscore talk underscore sales. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by myself, Laura Marchoff, Elizabeth Frederick, and Ariana Miska. Happy selling!